to have you today on a Monday, and uh, big stuff going on over the weekend. Obviously, uh, the AFC and NFC Championship game is fantastic, uh, but also you got a nice win by the Badgers yesterday, and then there's the Caleb Williams talk and what's going on there and football offensive coordinators being hired and all of that going on. So uh, joining us now on the uh, on the hotline, our good buddy uh, Zach Heilprin, uh, WOZN and Madison The Zone, sports director out there covering the Badgers. Zach, how you doing? Doing good, Bill. So let's uh, let's start with the rumors uh, about Caleb Williams and what might or might not be happening with the Badgers. I mean, I mean, I, it's it, I was seeing all kinds of memes and different things going on over the weekend. Give me your thoughts on all of that. Yeah, it, it poured into the basketball game yesterday with uh, signs and crowd and the UB student section uh, chanting, "We want Caleb." I mean, what what we know for sure is is not a lot, right? Because it's uh, a lot of it is rumors and. Um, but what we know is that uh, from the 24-7 site in Oklahoma that Wisconsin and uh, Kale Williams did meet uh, at least, I think it was about 10 days ago, that there have been back and forth. Um, depending on which reports you believe, it's either done or it's not done. Or, um, you know, I know that John McNamara from BadgerList.com reported that uh, Caleb Williams uh, called Paul Chris yesterday and said that uh, he is not coming. Uh, but again, there's been no finalization of anything out at usc either so i think uh there's very little information coming out because i think both sides especially wisconsin side has to play this a little bit uh down the middle because of graham mertz and not wanting to be you know as public as probably they they would be in this situation otherwise but uh i'll be honest bill i i i still am very 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 confident that he's going to end up at usc i just think the longer it takes for that to happen it leaves hope if you're wisconsin uh, my question would be if you were suppo- if the deadline to register for classes was last week i i really thought we would have heard something by now you know yeah i, I agree but it's also caleb williams and i think uh you know th- there's nothing to say that he didn't register for classes um we, we don't know that whether that happened or not um I, I think if he wants to go somewhere they'll make exceptions for him and I, I don't think like a deadline, like a hard deadline like that is 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 that hard for a guy like Caleb Williams. So let's go over to the basketball side because I well, well, let me ask you one more question. What do you think all of this is doing to Graham Mertz? Well, it has to make you question stuff, right? I mean, I, I, what he'll say publicly and what he'll say privately. I I know what he's going to say publicly. He's he's not going to he's not going to be affected by it whatsoever. You know, it's this is it's a business and all that good stuff. I'd love to know what he's thinking privately of it because uh, confidence with the quarterback is key. And uh, he has always displayed, you know, publicly displayed a ton of confidence, but I think that there was a little bit of a confidence hit towards the middle of last year with him. And he, he found his way. This has to be, this has to be uh, a hit to his confidence that Wisconsin's going out and trying to replace him. Now it's not replacing him with a nobody or like a, a guy of like his similar level, like kill Williams on a different level. And, Wisconsin has to do what it has to do, but I have to imagine this this uh, this can't make him feel great about where he is, um, you know, as a, as a player because they're they're clearly trying to replace you, and that's exactly what would happen if Caleb Williams came here. But um, does it provide motivation? Does it provide you know potential uh, fracturing of that relationship with Paul Christ? I, I tend not to think, I, I tend to say no with that, but it certainly uh, opens up a ton of questions. Uh, you know, about Graham Mertz and his future and, and what, what Wisconsin views his future to be. 
So now the question is, with the offensive coordinator uh, coming in, with Ingram coming in, do you think it, it makes Graham Mertz better? That's a, it's a good question because uh, we have no idea what position Bobby Ingram is going to be coaching. Um, we, uh, there, he was a wide receivers and tight ends coach for the Ravens. Wisconsin has a wide receivers and a tight ends coach. What they don't have is a, as a true quarterback coach. And right now their running backs coach, uh, Gary Brown, is ill, and it's unclear um, if he'll be able to uh, resume coaching. So they, there are some openings. Uh, I should say there's some, uh, some uncertainties there in terms of what position Bobby Ingram is going to coach. I don't think it's going to be quarterback. So when it comes down to Graham Mertz, I think it's going to be the ability to bring some of the ideas from the NFL. And again, I'm not going to pretend that I know exactly what the Ravens were running and what they were doing with Lamar Jackson and probably not going to probably be able to do that with Graham Mertz. But I do think some a different vision, a different some different eyes, um, some new concepts that could potentially be brought from the NFL to Wisconsin can help Graham Mertz. Yes. So like a, a roundabout way of saying I do think this this hire can help Graham Mertz. Then we go over to the uh, the basketball side of things and got a nice win yesterday. I mean, uh, they put up a, a couple of good wins together, as a matter of fact, in, in, in back-to-back uh, games. Uh, give me your thoughts on where this team is at. I, Michigan State, I thought they got them. They, they, they brought reality back into the mix, but I still think this is a really strong team. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen that game with a healthy Tyler Wall, and we'll get to see that, I think, uh, uh, you know, they don't, they, they've got two more games and then they go to Michigan state uh, and hopefully Tyler Wall's healthy, healthy and you get, you know, get to see those two teams play at a, at a similar level. Or I should say, uh, cause you know how dependent Wisconsin is on their starting unit. And when you lose one of those guys, we saw it earlier with Johnny Davis missing the Providence game. You lose Tyler Wall for a game, two of those losses, um, two of their three losses have come when they've been missing important pieces. So where do I think they stand as a, as a team? I, I they put themselves in position to compete for a Big Ten title, which is just uh, asinine to say, considering where they were coming from to start the year. Ten, pick 10th in the conference, and now they're sitting in a first-place tie. They're going to go to Illinois on, on Wednesday, and if they can win that game, then they are uh, alone in first place, um, at least for a little bit. I, do, I, do I think they're as good as the 8-2, and two, I think is the question, Bill, for me. Um, are they as good as the 17 and three record? The metrics would say no. Uh, like all these, all the analytics say no. They're 21st in the net rankings. They're like uh, 26th or 27th in the Ken Palm rankings, and I think T Rank has them in the 20s. So like, they're, all these analytical people say Wisconsin isn't as good as their record. But then you go and look at the teams that they've beaten, and they have the more quad one wins than anybody else in the country. It's, uh, I should say tied for the most quad one wins in the country. And they're seven and three against those teams. So I, I think they are a good team. I don't know if they're seventeen and three good, but I think we're gonna find out really in these next two uh, next three games where they go to Illinois and go to Michigan State, how good they really are. I like uh, the scrappiness of this team, the grit of this oh, team. It. But yep. you, you had mentioned, you know, Davis and Wall, they take losses when these guys aren't in. It it also then can be you know, you look at a guy like Bowman who puts up, what is it? I think we've got five yesterday or something yeah. like that. But but for the most part, the the, the bench just doesn't score. It, it does bring up the fact that, you know, if you have some issues when it comes to either injury or, say, foul trouble, 
Yep. They don't have a lot of firepower coming off of the bench, and that no. that could be one of those things that if your starting five aren't viable, then all of a sudden you're looking down the barrel of not being able to you know kind of recoup some of that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. We've seen it this year. I think I think it's pretty it's it's clear. And Greg Gard, I think he's probably tired of answering the questions. Probably already. And if he's not now, he will be in the next few weeks because I think that is their one glaring glaring uh, issue is is the lack of production off the bench scoring wise. I mean, I think to, uh, Bowman is their leading scorer off the bench and he's averaging three points a game. And I'll, I, I'll have to go back and look, but I have to imagine that's some, one of the lower totals in Wisconsin history for a bench player uh, for their top bench score to be averaging three points a game. So yeah, if they, if they don't, if they were to lose Tyler for an extended period or Johnny for an extended period or Brad for an extended period, or even, you know, uh, Stephen Crowell, who started to put, uh, he's averaging close to 10 points a game over the last six or seven games. Without those guys, yeah, they're they're uh, going to be in trouble. They are starter heavy dependent, and that is also a little bit scary because uh, you know these games are coming one after the other. Your legs. I know Greg Gard said yesterday he's, he's trying to limit you know playing or uh, practice time for for Brad Davison and, and Johnny Davis because he knows at this point of the year you're going to be playing so many games in the way that the minutes they're playing it's going to get to worn down pretty quickly. You had mentioned that the next two out of three are on the road. The next two out of three are against ranked teams. Number 18, Illinois on the road, and number 13, Michigan State on the road. Penn State sandwiched in between. This is really, this is kind of your gauntlet. This is right now, here's the big test. And if you can get, say, two out of three, or God forbid you win all three of these games, this is where you can find out how legit you are or how much work you have to do before, say, you face Purdue at the end of the year, and then you're you're jockeying for position in the Big Ten tournament, right? If they take, if they t- if they win two out of these three, and obviously you're assuming two of those would be, or at least one of those is the Penn State game, right? So you're, yeah. you're either winning at Michigan State or winning at Illinois. That's a huge win. That's a, I mean, personally, I think they go one and two in this stretch. But if they if they were somehow to to pull out one of those wins on the road, um, it does wonders not just for their, you know, NCA seeding, but it does wonders for, for their Big Ten. Uh, championship hopes because you look the rest of the season they've got I mean they've got a trip to Michigan who hasn't been playing nearly at that level and they get they get uh, Purdue at home but outside of these next two games there's no other ranked teams on the schedule so um, I, I this would be huge I guess I, is what I'm trying to say if you're able to pull if you're able to grab one of these two games um, it does wonders for you and I think it certainly will put them I don't know about in the driver's seat but it would certainly put them in a really really good spot to go and uh, win their second Big Ten title in three years. Hey, speaking of Michigan, real quick before I let you go, a lot of rumors about Harbaugh possibly being interested in the <laughs> Vikings job. And and I, I, because I would think to myself, why would he take that job as opposed to, say, taking the Chicago job when right. that was where he's from? Uh, you know, that was where he played. That There's ties there. I don't know why he would take the Vikings job, but give me your thoughts as to whether or not, because I don't think he takes that job, but do you think Harbaugh leaves Michigan to go to the uh, Minnesota Vikings? Well, it's not just that job, right? I, I thought I saw a report that he's also in the running in, down in Miami, too. Um, so, like, of those two jobs, which one are you taking? Um, I, I think he wants – I desperately think he wants the Super Bowl. I mean, that's, that, I mean, he chased it. was so close with San Francisco, and they, they lost to Baltimore in the Super Bowl. Um, I do think – I think he proved to an extent that he could be successful at Michigan, and I think that's – maybe he uh, wants to leave on that note. But yeah, Minnesota 
is in a, I think is in a bit of a transition period coming up pretty quickly. Uh, well, obviously they are with the coaching and a, and a GM move, but um, it'd be interesting. Uh, <laughs> him, him in the NFL. I mean, it, him and PJ Fleck in the same city. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Uh, it would be an absolute <laughs> delight to have to watch both of those guys work on a regular basis. By the way, on three sports just tweeted out a minute ago, Caleb Williams has narrowed his transfer destination down to USC and Wisconsin per, uh, per Hamilton of ESPN, Gary, Jerry Hamilton from ESPN. Yeah. He's the one, he's the one that uh, reported that Wisconsin was, was coming on. Uh, I think it was last yeah. week. He was the one that came out with that story. So there you go. It's down to Wisconsin we'll and USC. We'll see what actually happens. Uh, good stuff, Zach. I appreciate it all the time, buddy. All right. Sounds good, Bill. Thanks. Talk to you soon. There you go. That is our buddy Zach Kyleprint from WOZN, The Zone, out in Madison, joining us for a couple of minutes. Going to talk some Badger stuff. Badgers with some nice play over the weekend. Hopefully, they, I hope they get two out of the next three. I mean, personally, I hope they get three of the next three, but two of the next three be really huge. Be really huge. Uh, let's do this. Uh, stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. hour of the program brought to you by our good friends a new sponsor by the way our buddy joey and the whole gang at albanese's roadhouse look i've always said if you're going to go downtown i'll tell you where to go for italian food but if you're going to go west of the city and maybe you live in the brookfield the waukesha new berlin hales corners delafield area that type of thing pewaukee uh there's albanese's roadhouse right there on blue mountain road and they are right now expanding their bocce ball leagues they do that thing year-round, too. I can't imagine that they do because it's 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 cold out, for lack of a better term. And they still got people out there playing bocce ball. I drive past it all the time. But uh, great people out there. Check out Albanese's Roadhouse right there on um, on Blue Mountain Road. Just great people. But even better, Joey and his staff, they really do take care of you. They're fun people. They're good people. And uh, I, I love working with those guys. Um Good, good stuff right here in the Waukesha area. But uh, whether it's uh, just good food, good beverages, going in for a, a game or two, you can check it all out at Albanese's Roadhouse right there on Blue Mound Road, right across from Home Depot. Uh, joining us now, our buddy Mike Clements, uh, NFL Sirius Radio, our Green and Gold Insider, and uh, my partner in crime heading out to L.A. and Hollywood. Mike, I, I don't know if we're ready for Hollywood or Hollywood's ready for us, but uh, in less than a week, you and I are going to be winging our way out and covering this Super Bowl between these two new teams. Is it true, Bill? One of the producers told me that Bill's rented the, the mansion where they filmed the Beverly Hillbillies with the Clampett family back in the 60s with the, the Cement Pond. and. Uh, I was going to do that, but I heard that the Playboy Mansion was being foreclosed on and has gone into functory, so you and I oh. are going to bathe every morning in the grotto. Hef slept here. Annie slept yes. here. Annie yes. slept here. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward well, to it. It's going to be different. Your Bengals are in the Super Bowl, Bill. Uh, I am uh, as stunned as anybody at this point. Yeah. Well, you know, I was, uh, someone was asking me who should have been in the Super Bowl this year. I said, well, I think the league, I think the networks, 
I think the city of Los Angeles was kind of hoping on Chiefs Packers, not just because of the throwback to the the first Super Bowl out in L.A. By the way, but you know it's Mahomes against Rodgers, and if I'm not mistaken, those two have never squared off, right? I mean, uh, yeah. Mahomes had that knee thing, and we were down at Arrowhead, uh, so you know Rodgers won that game. And then Rodgers gets COVID, you know, and Mahomes is there waiting for him to show up, and instead he got mm-hmm. Jordan Love. So it would have been great to see those two quarterbacks and possibly, you know, the Green Bay quarterback going to be named MVP of the season. So that – the other thing I think is so strange is that with the Rams in, I mean, isn't that like just half a stadium of fans that are not going to be – have to book hotels? They can just pull out of their driveways and go to the game? Right, and, exactly. You know, the Cincinnati fans, they're going to be uh, loading up to to want to get there. I mean, Zach Taylor, even after the game last night, was you know, saying to the Bengals fans, come on, man, come on, Ohio, get get on the planes, trains, whatever. Come out to L.A. and, uh, and support us. Uh, we'll need it. But there was that one stat, I think it was actually during the broadcast, that said that they estimated that 65% of the fans at SoFi last night were 49ers fans, mm-hmm. not Rams fans. And I know that there's this feeling about Los Angeles is like, we didn't have football for over 25 years. We we found other stuff to do with our Sundays. So it's going to take a little while before we warm up to the Chargers and the Rams. Um, but uh, you know, I listen. It's the Super Bowl. I think it's. Uh, I think there's all kinds of good storylines in this thing between can Matthew Stafford, you know, not choke and throw another. What was with that ball that should have been picked off by Hart? Oh, yeah, that was Down terrible. It was a of, terrible I throw. Guess it, I guess he was aiming for Jefferson, but, you know, when when I look at the Rams this year and the, the team that the Packers beat, you know, the difference was it's like once they got Stafford in there and they could see his arm, then they kind of just let him stand back there in the, you know, in the pocket and, and try and deliver the balls to Cooper Cup and, and, and company. But that's when they started losing games. And it wasn't until they made a sort of a change in the middle of the season well, they said, you know what? We're going to go back to run the Sean McVay scheme. We're going to get back to the misdirection. And and that's when they started winning again down the stretch. As for the Bengals, um, Joe Burrow, man. You know, mm-hmm. over the weekend, I was in a, uh, I was at a barber shop, and for some reason they had on a live broadcast of one of the Boston TV stations like CBS, nonstop coverage of the blizzard out there. And I was kind of paying attention because, you know, one of our daughters lives out there now, and they got 20 inches of snow, 150,000 people without power, and the only thing that stopped them from their nonstop blizzard emergency coverage was Tom Brady retires. <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> they they broke in with that, and I, my thought was, uh, you know, all this stuff about well, there'll never be another Tom Brady. Well, there may not be another guy that wins seven Super Bowls, but Joe Burrow. Well, watch out. He's going to get an awful lot of records and pass up Dan Marino and Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers if this kid keeps playing the way he's playing at 23 years old. Mike, uh, and I know Brady, because I, I, I was kind of shocked that Jim Gray didn't break the news. And we still are waiting to hear that it's official from Brady. Apparently he was kind of upset and hasn't said whether he is or isn't retiring and all that kind of stuff. But I, I can't imagine that all of this – put it this way. If Brady wasn't retiring, don't you think by now he would have said, hey, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I've decided to come back. Or do you think he's just holding out for a specific announcement? I think that's what's going on. I think, I think he's probably upset that he, 
he let the Buccaneers go and somebody leaked it, you know, to yeah. Schefter or, or somebody like that. But I, I, you know, with everything that he was saying to Jim Gray on his podcast about, you know, I really need to probably spend more time with family and those kinds of things. It's not like he was leaning towards retirement. Not, there, yeah. There's really nothing else for him to prove. And that team is getting old and going to have to, you know, the Bengals or the the Buccaneers are a team that's going to have to re- rebuild. Not the Green Bay Packers, but the Buccaneers are a team that's going to have to rebuild. And so maybe it's a good time to to make an exit. The uh, the Packers, as we continue to wait for what's going to go on with with Aaron Rodgers, were you are, are you surprised that we have not heard anything on Mo Drayton? Just that we've heard that Stenovich is the offensive coordinator and Getzey and Nathaniel Hackett are both gone. Oh, that's not yeah. a, a real huge story. <laughs> no, Mo, it yes. is. I'm sorry. It is. Because yeah. special teams cost the Packers. I thought, I mean, I've been going over some of those plays from last week, Saturday night, at Lambeau with 10-degree temperatures and the snow coming down and 79,000 Packer fans with a pretty good show up of the Red Nation from the 49ers. How did you lose that game? Just, I mean, right. to me, that loss is the most disappointing loss in the playoffs the Packers have had. For me, since in 20 years, since the night that this kid from Atlanta, Michael Vick, came in there and beat Brett Favre and the Packers in the snow from Atlanta, the Falcons, which to that was like, what is what just happened? This is Lambeau Field in the playoffs. The Packers are never supposed to lose a game in the postseason. And that was the, the, the change of the, the loss of that thing that the writers would always call the Lambeau Field mystique. But it's mm-hmm. too many times their seasons have ended in the cold weather at Lambeau over the last 10 years through now two different coaches. And, you know, I'm going over the, some of those special teams plays like the Zabruder film. It's ridiculous. But, you know, you know me, I could do two hours on three plays that cost you the season and a chance to have gone out to, to have hosted the Rams this weekend um, as opposed to sitting at home and watching it on TV. As for what's going on coaching-wise for LaFleur, this would not be the first time that we have seen just one or two coaching changes, but that the guy is out. It's been out there for two or three days. The interviews are already underway to find somebody to replace him. Would I be shocked if they kept Mo Drayton? No, but I guess, you know, Matt LaFleur then means that he's going to take full responsibility for what happened in the game against the 49ers, and they've got some serious changes to make because they, you know, they screwed that up. They screwed that up. Who knows? Maybe they're still debating inside as to whether or not, you know, they really want to allocate the funds or they're waiting for somebody to get free from one of these teams. Um, that uh, might have just recently be in the playoffs that they hope to acquire to help Mo Drayton out. I mean, it really, in a perfect world, it would be great if Mo Drayton could just go back to be an assistant and they bring in some more uh, uh, experienced killer special teams guy. But, you know, there's always got to be a scapegoat in the NFL. The uh, the conspiracy theory, Mike, is that, first of all, Aaron Rodgers uh, more likely to remain with the Green Bay Packers than go anywhere. And the whole thing about, well, he could always retire and he's comfortable with retirement. I think at this point, if Brady retires, Gronk retires, which means in five years on that stage, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I am low man on the totem pole because I'm coming in there with one ring. Ben Roethlisberger has two. Brady has seven and Gronk has numerous rings. 
I'm the low guy. I, you know, I don't think Rodgers would want to retire and end up on that stage as the low man on the totem pole. You know what I mean? I don't really know what Aaron Rodgers wants right now. I just I know that he's the ultimate competitor, and I know he wants to do things his way. And I also know that he and Patrick Mahomes right now are sitting at home, and they're sh- lesser extent of Patrick. Patrick yesterday was playing his best ball in the first half. And for some reason, then after blowing, you know, why Andy Reid didn't just take the points and kick the field goal instead of have Patrick throw that ball out to the flats and get it stopped and come away with no points and just just give the Bengals the momentum. And then Mahomes comes out in the second half and he's scrambling backwards all over the field. Instead of running the ball downfield or advancing like he did in the first half, He's back there running around all over thinking he can extend a play 10 seconds and still find somebody, and there was nobody there. And as for Aaron Rodgers, just the opposite of what Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes did last weekend or even Matthew Stafford yesterday or at some parts Garoppolo is, move the ball down the field over the middle of the field and also honor the run. When you've got the ball twice at the end of the fourth quarter against the 49ers, Throw the ball to the tight end over the middle. If the corners are, are covering, you know, your special guy, Devontae and Randall, you know, use the middle of the field. Stop worrying about ball security. Start worrying about being aggressive. And Rodgers did not do that. He was more worried about throwing the ball away than winning the football game, in my estimation. And, you know, and, and not running the scheme. And, and you know, LaFleur, too. Where was he? And even if A.J. Dillon was down, why weren't you using Aaron Jones? So I think that that last game plays into Rodgers' mind. Uh, what Rodgers wants is, you know, when he comes into the to the press conference after the game and also does a, a, a McAfee show a couple of days later where he says, no, nah, I don't want to be a part of a rebuild. That doesn't mean that there's going to be wholesale changes and bringing in a whole bunch of new guys and everything. They, Brian Goodkins is, is rebuilding all the time. It's like mm-hmm. we said last week, he brings in A.J. Dillon to what? Replace Jamal Williams. He hires Eric Stokes to, to draft Eric Stokes with his first pick to compete or move on from Kevin King. He brings in guys off the street like Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas and end up being great players for you. But he's constantly churning the roster to try and put the best players on the field. When Aaron Rodgers says, I don't want to be a part of a rebuild, it means I don't want to have to say goodbye to Mason Crosby, Mercedes Lewis, Randall Cobb. I don't want to be the oldest guy on the team. I think that's what what Aaron Rodgers is saying. I think it's those assurances about what happens to Devontae Adams if, in fact, he's going to be a Packer or he and his agent decide the best thing is to get out of Green Bay and go make the money someplace else. I think that's what Aaron Rodgers is sitting waiting for. He also might be real interested to see who the hires are going to be. And so the fact that we just got it officially announced at 10 o'clock today that Adam Stadovich has gone from offensive line coach to run game coordinator to now Matt LaFleur's right-hand guy to help him every week prepare the offense for game plans. At least that's a known for Rodgers. So whoever they're going to bring in for a quarterback coach and, and other guys, at least Rodgers says, okay, I, you know, I can work with that guy. Mm-hmm. I, uh, again, I agree with you that they're not going through wholesale rebuild and they have the ability to keep the band together. You're just kicking a can for money down the road for a few more years. 
and, and then hoping that there's going to be enough television money eventually that they can kind of offset some of that and maybe come back to the even cycle. But uh, look, you got a solid run game. You got a solid offensive line. You're going to get Tunyon back. Now the question is whether or not you get Devonte. But and I agree that they need more help. They need more wide receivers. That is an area that that Goody has to be prominent in this year. But the only area you start to look at is your pass rush because your secondary is still pretty solid with what you have. But your pass rush, if you get rid of Zadarius, if you get rid of Preston, if Devondre Campbell does not return because he has made himself some serious money this year, then you have to really look at what you have the ability to do via the pass rush. But beyond that, I don't think you're going for wholesale changes. I just think you're going to make some area where there's going to be some guys that are going to take some restructured contracts and kick a little bit of that money down the road, say goodbye to maybe a couple of guys that might be a little questionable, and, and you still got an opportunity to win. Excellent. Excellent points about defense there, Bill, because once again, here we are in the offseason saying, how are we going to get Kenny Clark some more help? And Dean Lowry did improve this past year. And mm-hmm. Joe Joe Barry, man, he had a pretty good game plan for the 49ers. Of course, you know, at the end of the day, Jimmy Garoppolo is, in fact, a good, just an average quarterback, nowhere near playoff elite quarterback. And I think he probably, you know, threw himself out of a, a job. Uh, I mean, that was prime examples to why they drafted a quarterback last year. But, yeah, those Mm -hmm. are pretty good questions about uh, defense and trying to improve or hold on to what you had this past year. Uh, Here's another one, though. What about offensive line? I mean, that story that David Bakhtiari told last week about having his knee drained 15 times during the season, Mm -hmm. four ounces of fluid at one point, a nurse telling him, saying, man, I never saw this much fluid come out of a knee. That's where David Bakhtiari is. And, you know, how bad is that going to be? Hopefully another four or five months of just healing and staying off of the thing can help him get that knee back. But that was some pretty scary stuff. And not to mention Elton Jenkins is going through the same thing right now with rehabbing an ACL. So those are two of your best offensive linemen that are going to be question marks. Now, you know, Yash Nyman and John Runyon, and, you know, your Josh Myers, you know, is, is back from his knee injury that uh, he had to have screws put in for a, a broken bone that he explained from the Bears game. You know, you still, you still had pretty amazing depth at offensive line, and you still got your offensive line coach in the house with Stenovich not being offensive coordinator. But I imagine that's another thing that Aaron Rodgers is looking at is in terms of what kind of protection am I, am I going to come back for year 18? My good stuff. Uh, we're gonna kind of, uh, kind of start gearing up towards warmer weather, but more so uh, this uh, upcoming Super Bowl. It should be exciting. It should be fun. And then uh, we're re- gonna reconvene at the airport on Saturday morning early. Yeah, looking forward to it because I think there's gonna be a ton of great stories. I think uh, you and I have to talk about exactly how we're going to deal with the L.A. traffic to get from one place to another. <laughs> well, I just saw that uh, opening night is now virtual. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. Well, opening night has gone virtual. There'll be some of that. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, that's, that's yeah, that sucks. Part of the world we live in. But yeah. um, I just know that the rest of it is it's going to be great to see, you know, other friends from around the league and to, and to catch up with coaches and players and and talk some football all next week from L.A. Yep, no doubt. Mike, good stuff as always. We'll talk again, okay? Thank you, Billy. See you, buddy. There you go. Our buddy Mike Clemens, uh, Sirius XM, NFL Radio, our Green and Gold Packers insider, joining us for a couple of minutes uh, on the hotline, and and great to get his perspective, but uh, it's going to be fun. We are going to have 
hopefully a really good time, but more so really good shows and podcasts and such uh, out in L.A. And we bring you a lot of the uh, the fun and, and pageantry, so to speak, of what L.A. has to offer. Um, stay tuned. we got a lot more of The Bill Michael Show coming up next. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.